Hello, this is Don't Spoil the Ending full-time review. Welcome to a new show from Deastie. Regular listeners to the feed will know that we talk about games, films and TV. But this show is a twist on that where we'll be reviewing those media forms but from the sporting world. This episode we'll be tipping off with ESPN and Netflix's, or should I say, Michael Jordan's The Last Dance. Time for the introductions. I'll be your host, Sam. I'm Joe. Hi, I'm John. Very good intro, Sam. I enjoyed that. I was very uh, <laughs> much more professional than what we used to. <laughs> I tried. I tried. First time. First time hosting. Uh, what's everyone uh, been watching sport-wise this week or recently? Joe, do you want to jump in? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, make a start. Um, I, we won't touch football just yet, John, for obvious reasons. Uh, oh, that's fine, that's champions, fine. Champions of England. Ever, ever uh, seen any good results today? Got a good point against Bill. That was a <laughs> half four, half four point. Oh, well, very good, very good. Um, yeah, yeah um, I'm just... Uh, so, I suppose this show, we're going to be looking at sport, aren't we? We're going to talk about different sports we like. Let's try and invest, Let's try and investigate some new ones, and then we'll cover some sports media and that, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been watching, um, so the last few weeks, Formula One has restarted. Um, obviously, we're, we're coming out of a coronavirus pandemic. Um, so a lot of the sports are obviously really strange at the minute. I think we've all spoke before about football and how <laughs> how late in the year we're watching Premier League football. And it just, it feels like it's ruined everyone's calendars. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of broken how, how things work. So with Formula One... They've cut the season down now from um, 20 plus races to, I think they're at 10 at the minute, I think, but they're looking to increase it, which also right. baffles me because it looks like they've restarted the sport without adding all the races yet, which is crazy to me. It's like, can you imagine starting the Premier League and saying, right, this year we're going to play probably 30 games? <laughs> no, <laughs> like, you know, they've not decided on how many they're running. But the good news for the fan, like myself, is that they're practically running every weekend now. I am absolutely loving it. <laughs> oh, like, okay. So they're literally every single weekend now, it seems. Well, they've got free back-to-back, and I'm sure there's like an American trip coming up. Um, but there's, there's, they're literally running it every weekend, and I am absolutely loving that. So with that coming back, I've been checking out Drive to Survive. Have either of you heard of that? I've heard of it only because you mentioned it, but... I think yeah. I might have seen it on, on Netflix, Netflix at some point. So it's basically, um, it's like a behind-the-scenes look at uh, Formula One, so from the garages, from the pit lane, but it's all filmed, you know, from, you know, a, a high-quality, it's it's filmed as almost like a documentary where they basically film a race, week, a race weekend and show you how it unfolds, what happens, gives you all the drama. It's good for a fan, it's good for someone who isn't bothered about the sport, because you don't have to watch 70 laps of where not much happens for a lot of it. Like, <laughs> with this, they literally clue after. But you also get all little snippets of, you know, driver conversations that you never normally hear. Yeah. So they've got, like, fantastic access behind the scenes. Um, and I think, because so basically, they've done two seasons, and it was the 2018 and 2019 seasons. So 
everyone's looking forward now to the 2020 season because this is going to be a crazy one. Yeah. Um, so the two, like I said, the two they've got up at the moment are the last two full seasons we've had. And I'm only about, uh, I think I'm five episodes into the first season. Uh, so it's the 2018 calendar. And like so much mad stuff has happened. It, it's just, it's a, I really do recommend it, even if you're not that into Formula One at all. Sounds interesting. I've seen it on Netflix, um, just scrolling through, and it's always uh, caught my attention as something I, I definitely want to catch at some point. I think um, I used to watch like F1 when it was um, sort of on ITV, and like when a few of them were on terrestrial. Um, yeah, not so much right. since it's swapped to sort of Sky and 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 the like, but. Um, I mean, F1's always seem like a bit of a closed shop and it's sort of like you don't get a lot of the behind-the-scenes access to it. So something like this coming out for for fans um, just seems like seems like really good access to uh, to get those conversations, like you're saying, for the drivers and to see the the, the pit lane and the, all, the, all, all that that's going on. I was going to say, I'm going to jump in then. Like it reminds me a bit of a, you know, the Senna documentary. See, oh, I'm, yeah. uh, I've, I'm, I'm dying to see it. Don't spoil it for me. Um. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> all it is, that has a similar kind of vibe to it where you're seeing, like, behind, you're seeing behind the scenes stuff that you would not have seen at the time and the coverage between Senna and Alain Prost at the time, you know, their, their rivalry and stuff and yeah. all the all the behind the scenes politics of it. Just, just listening to you talk about that show then reminded me of that. Yeah. It's um, very much my, my uh, fascination with F1, similar to my fascination with wrestling, where the politics behind the scenes are almost as dramatic as the stuff that's happening, you know, out yeah. in front of a crowd. Um, but to, so to give, I'll give you an example of one of the scenarios just in one of the episodes. Um, there's a team called the Haas team, and it's the first American team in Formula One in decades, basically. And they were they somehow managed to get themselves in fourth and fifth, I think it was. So the best ever sort of results they could have ever hoped for. Now it shows you the full race weekend. So it starts off, you know, and, and everyone's flying in, you've got practice, you're working on the car. He's basically showing all these hundreds and hundreds of people that are working around the clock, trying to, you know, do as well as they can for the team. The interesting thing is obviously with formula one, it all comes down to a race at the end of the day. And you can only really have, you know, a, ha- a handful of people who would, would say they've had a good weekend out off the back of it. They were, they were running fourth and fifth, and one of the cars came in for a pit stop, and the wheel nut didn't go on properly. And basically, as he drove off, the wheel was more or less coming loose. He ended up retiring, so they lost the, one of the cars out of the top five, and they were thinking, oh, this is devastating. We, we almost had the best ever result we could have hoped, and it was <laughs> simply because a pit mechanic had made an error. Um, so the other car comes in the exact same things happened <laughs> but with a different engineer so that car went out wheel problems had to had to um, retire now if you imagine all the like the months and months of effort that's gone to getting a car ready and then you go to a full race weekend where everyone's like constantly on it and then your entire race weekend is ruined by two people on the same weekend messing up a piece of machinery yeah. on a pit stop and it's like you hear the phone call on the show between the team manager 
and you know his bosses like who are obviously not at the track <laughs> and he's more or less like saying we could have been rock stars but now we look like fucking wankers <laughs> like this <laughs> so uh, you you're hearing stuff like that and it's really interesting so i'm gonna keep with it um i'm pretty sure i read that in season two mercedes allowed access so I think I feel like it was Mercedes who did who did not want to be in the first season. So right. I think it's interesting that a show's got so popular that there are teams saying, "Well, I'd like to be involved now." This does. I'm sure it's going to be managed, which is probably similar to how the Michael Jordan documentary is, where everything is managed. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I like just some Gonzo journalism, like <laughs> just in the middle. <laughs> But no, I recommend that show to both. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I really enjoyed it as a fan. But I think it's got, it's got something there for people who are not fans. Well, what I like about that is that I suppose it's overlooked quite often in F one. Just the, the team aspects of it, you know, like people who aren't actually that big a fan of F one. They'll just see Lewis Hamilton and what have you. You know, win and think he's a great, great driver. Yeah, but just a lot of the time, the team aspect of it is overlooked. So like if you're if your mechanic in the pit stop fucks up, the whole team, the whole team's fucks up, kind of thing. <laughs> That's it. And it's like, you, there are people spending months and months like working in a wind tunnel, like <laughs> designing yeah. the cars and stuff. And it's like, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, I'm sure some of the companies have got thousands of people, but it's funny because it could all come down to one moment. So like, as an example, in one of the races, the two Red Bull drivers crashed into each other. And it's like, that was simply because they were trying to like better each other. They ended up fucking it up for the entire team. But that 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 goes back to everyone who sat in Milton Keynes in the factory watching. <laughs> like everyone's like, "What yeah. the hell are you doing?" All their hard work boils down to the ego of two people, kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That and that that's what it shows in one of the first episodes of the show. It's literally it shows how their egos have ruined ruined an entire weekend for hundreds and hundreds of people. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, that's all I wanted to say about that. I give it a good recommend. Jerry Hallowell's in it, if you're a fan. Oh, right, okay. Well, just a little little teaser there as well for what's to come. Talking about egos, we're getting on to the, uh, the last dance later on. So. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. JT, I think you said you, you had some news that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, I've not watched anything. just want to mention a bit of news. Uh is this you um, Premier? Oh. oh, I'm sorry, John. Uh, have you got the current, the latest results on the Premier League uh, table? Uh, have you got that? Yep, uh, I have Villa staying 18th place, uh, 19th place <laughs> after that one old draw at Goodison Park. Late equaliser from Theo Walcott to uh, level it up. Yep. So yeah, Villa. Villa well, still in the uh, relegation places. Sorry, John. Uh, John, uh, sorry, you're cutting out there, mate. I'm uh, just checking. Have you got the top of the table that you would like to report on the uh, podcast? No, I've not got it. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to have scrolled off it on my phone. I can't. <laughs> no, it's worth mentioning. I'm happy for you guys. Your team's won the, the COVID Cup. <laughs> you, you, you were talking about... <laughs> well, yeah, are you going to do fishing on the pod here, John? Were you just going to fish for being mean to try and bite here? <laughs> Can I actually pick this up? There was a point kind of thing. It's worth. I think it's worth mentioning. You kind of alluded to it then with the F1, how this F1 season will be shortened and they've started the season that they don't almost, know yet. It's almost worth more, finish. John. Well, <laughs> uh, just ju- the, the point I'm trying to get to with that, there was like, there was this kind of feeling that like, like stuff's being tainted because of it. 
Not that I'm saying that I feel that, but but it's a weird one though because in in American sports these kind of things happen all the time, and it doesn't. Well, I'm, I'm talking as an Englishman. I'm, maybe it does taint it for them. I don't know. But like in the in the NHL and the NBA, and it used to happen in the NFL. They'd have like shortened seasons when players were on lockouts and stuff. You know, like when wanting a better player contracts across the border stuff like that. Hmm. I remember that happening recently. I think was it basketball? I think NHL might be the most recent. Was it? Two right. or three years ago, there was just no NHL at all because like the players were on a lockout, wanting new contracts. Right, right. And the NHLPA and stuff and. Uh, they just didn't play NHL through season, you know, stuff like that. And like, there's other years where they'll play like half a year. Uh, it's funny, I was, I was looking the other day, the 49ers in 1982 or 83, they were, they were the defending Super Bowl champions. But the year after, the season got cut down to like eight or nine games and they, they missed the playoffs because of it. And it's like, they were the defending champions. And because of half the season, they missed out on the playoffs. Like, you know what I mean? It's just a weird yeah, thing. Yeah. That, Everyone's, everyone's just like, yeah, that, that's how it, how it is. You missed out. Are you really though? Like, are you pulling my leg here? Like, they're not they're not consistently cutting short seasons in America, are they? It must have happened. That this is your example was the eighties. This is a guess, but in terms of all three sports, NFL. I don't know about the baseball, but but NFL, hockey, and basketball. All get uh, the year uh, ninety nine. The year after the last dance finished. It was a shortened season, and they had a losing season because of it. Uh, but yeah, I think it happens all the time in America. Like it's a really frequent thing, and they don't see it as tainted. Whereas, like you know, people are trying to imply that oh, wow. every other every other sport is like not been a proper season kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, but it's just yeah, a weird yeah. like comparison that Americans don't seem that that fussed by it. Fair enough. I mean, it's uh, it's a different sporting culture, isn't it? Yeah, that must be it. I mean, going on from that, with the, the basketball stopped back on like the 19th of March, whatever it was, the NBA is restarted on, on the 30th of July with 22 teams that have binned off like 10 of them, I think. And yeah. they're playing every game in Disney World. Have you seen this? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I was going to so, say, yeah, um, sorry, John, I was going to say, it popped up on the news Um I can't remember what we were watching, but it had some American adverts on it. And one of them, not American advert, but it had some American shows on it that you don't normally see. And they were talking about the NBA coming back. And the headline was like 20 or 22 teams. I was thinking like, I literally said out loud, what What do they do with the rest of the teams? Like, did they just not sign up for the year? And they've just took, took the year off. But then it, it took me on to like, for obviously, obviously like Toronto Raptors, um, I'm pretty sure they won the last one, didn't they? The defending champions, yeah. Yeah, like they're Canadian, so have they been locked out of, of uh, Disneyland? No, they're, they're definitely there. I think what they've done is they've kind of removed, I think maybe for health reasons to like have as few people there as possible, but they've removed any teams who couldn't have made the playoffs anyway. So, you know what I mean? Right. They've kind of like spin them off and right. just said, there's no point in even turning up. You can't make the playoffs. They've got <laughs> 22 teams. And then from that, I think it'll be the 14 or 16 teams that go into the playoffs. It sounds mad. Yeah, yeah, but again, I don't think they'll be that bothered about it. They'll be like, yeah, you know, basketball's back. Yeah, but can you imagine going to like, oh, I don't know, uh, Burnley and going, you haven't got a chance of Champions League this year. Like, can you can you just sack the rest of the season off and we'll we'll have a little <laughs> yeah. we'll have a little go over here? Like, well, so think, what do they uh, do? Do they, do they restart the standings to all be zero? 
Well, I think in terms of the English game, like I think Everton have done that. We've just binned off the season, so. I think you binned your season off at the start of the season, to be honest. <laughs> I don't think coronavirus affected that one. I think that started literally in August. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, man, what were you saying then? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it just seems mad that they're they literally going to restart the season and say, right, from now on, you're all on zero points. So they're going to say, well, you're playing each other. But then if you've just played a bunch of like strong teams and you were going to get weak teams, you're going to be like, oh, well, why am I now playing all my games against strong teams? Sorry, I don't think, I'm not, I'm not totally checked it, but I'm sure that the standards will stay the same. They're just, uh, they're just carrying on from where they left off, but they've binned off the okay. weaker teams so because they couldn't make the playoffs, you know what I mean? The other teams still can. And they'll have to be Yeah, but then who plays, who plays in no games? Yeah, how does that work though? Because surely, the, surely their fixtures still would have affected the bigger teams because oh, yeah, okay. their fixtures would have yeah. counted towards yeah they've the just done a new schedule for it yeah wow, that's bizarre bad. but yeah. didn't one of the teams have to drop out though because 10 of their players got coronavirus I heard that possibly and there's been a lot of like weird politics with it I know that Kyrie Irving from the Brooklyn Nets was adamant he wasn't doing a bit of a Troy Deeney kind of thing adamant he wasn't going to play and stuff but I think mm. he is there now so yeah. like, there's um, a lot of weird I was going to say um, wrestling, like the majority of wrestling still running, but you, one of your top guys, Roman Reigns, as soon as coronavirus started, he was like, I'm off, I'll see you later, <laughs> I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. So he's not, he, nobody's seen him in about six months now. And he's like, he's one of the top guys. Nobody's seen him because he's just had a baby and he's obviously just got through like a second bout of cancer and it's like he's like for this I ain't working I'm going home like <laughs> so he's not even there <laughs> no he's in the uh, vulnerable category isn't he he is yeah but legitimately but he then he, but then um, we won't stray too far into wrestling don't worry but uh, it's <laughs> he, he's getting a bad rep apparently within the company according to the dirt sheets allegedly like, because of he, that yeah that he's like people looking at him not people but like Vince McMahon looks at him and goes well you've you know, you're supposed to be here, and he's just like, "Well, <laughs> I've characterised it where he's probably gone, fuck that. I am, I am uh, not going to work <laughs> during this. Absolutely no chance." <laughs> just like on the basketballs, it's starting again, 30th of July, and I think all the games we played within a month or two, and you can get the uh, you can get the NBA league pass for every game for 25 pound, which is a pretty good deal for the rest of the season. So might be a might be a pretty good that. that. Yeah, like yeah. pretty good for what the rest of the full, including the playoffs and stuff. Every game going going forward now, yeah. So, uh, and with working from home as well, it's like bingo. You can stay at home, watch the basketball all day. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's like it, it sounds a bit like you know the, when the World Cup's on and everyone hates being in work because there's literally football yeah. on twenty four seven for like two at least two weeks at the start. Like I imagine it's a bit like that. Yeah, just wall to wall sport. Yeah, I like the idea of that. Sorry, just one of the bit of news uh, going to the NFL. Uh, it happened a few weeks ago now, but Patrick Mahomes, the uh, the Chiefs quarterback, signed a new ten-year deal. Have you seen this? No, I've not seen this. I'm only mentioning it because it kind of relates to what we're going to get to with uh, Scotty Pippen later on. He signed a ten-year deal worth four hundred and fifty million dollars, which, on the face of it, you'd be like, "Wow, you know, what, a, yeah. what an amazing deal." But he's only like the third or fourth highest paid quarterback in the NFL because of it. Like these long term deals, they're only good for the club, like in the, in, in the club, the, uh, the organization in, in the long run. 
uh, like we'll see with Scotty Pippen. Yeah. You sign a 10-year deal, and four or five years into that, you're like one of the least paid players in the league. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, because salaries inflate so much and stuff like. Yeah. Everyone yeah, else just, catches uh, up to you, don't they? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I think he'll be uh, he'll be regretting that when the Chiefs have gotten tied down to a 10-year contract. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> In a couple of seasons' time. <laughs> um, speaking of football, have you heard the Redskins change their name? Of course, yeah. Have yeah. We got what, do we know what the new name is yet? I, um, I'm sh- I can't remember exactly what it was, but... I, I don't heard think the meaning it. was on Red, Red Tails, but I don't know if it's been uh, yeah. or not. That was the one I heard, Red Tails. Um, Warrington Red Tails. I mean, don't get me wrong, oh, like, oh, what? You say, you say Warrington Red Tails, then? Did, I can't have done. I'm not having that. You, um, <laughs> you did. <laughs> edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> I think the uh, Red Tails is not a bad name at all. Um, I probably it's be- I'd, Yeah, it's probably like, when I look at the Redskins, it's like, you go, well, that is probably pretty bad. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I, uh, it's like you look at that and you're like, how is that? Like I know it's came up probably every year, like every single year. I've at least read a few stories where it's like, oh, the Redskins, uh, we need them to change the name. And every single time, I'm like, nah. <laughs> but it's like I think they finally for now, like the climate is probably the point where they have to. They're gonna have yeah. to change the name, regardless of how how they feel about it. The thing is, like. Uh... Normally, it would bother me, like, a team changing the name like that. I hate it when, like, the Oilers became the uh, Houston Texans. Well, yeah. they became the Tennessee Titans, didn't they? But, when they, you know, I hate, hate when stuff like that happens. But in this case, it doesn't bother me that much, purely because I don't like the Redskins. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's a shit name. I think it's a shit logo they've got. So it's like, yeah. you know what I mean? If it was a, if it was a team that I liked, I'd be, I'd be fuming. But I never liked the Redskins, so... No, I I would rate them as the one of the least likable ones. Not no, I yeah. wouldn't even say it's anything to do with the name or anything. It's just it's I don't know. It's just not very appealing from very from a guy. Cool, like, yeah, I know you're the you're the probably more of an NFL expert here than I am. Um, but from my years of on off liking of the sport, they've never like I don't know. I've never been drawn drawn to them. Like. They won a few Super Bowls in the late eighties when I was a kid, but I still hate them and hate them back then. So. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Excellent. Um, Shall we move on to the main event of The Last Dance? Let's go. Sounds good. Excellent. So this is uh, ESPN's and Netflix's The Last Dance, which uh, aired um, in April. Um, It was originally uh, due to air in... Uh, June, I think it was, during uh, finals uh, for the basketball, um, but was moved forward due to uh, the lack of sport and calls for it to be uh, brought forward. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I think a genius move to look down around the world and, well, from, <laughs> from where I'm sat in, in England, but for me, everything was just about settling in. And it was like, have you seen the show on Netflix? Yeah. It was amazing. I think this and Tiger King were the two big like beneficiaries, yeah. beneficiaries of it. Definitely. Yeah. Michael Jordan and Joe Exotic, two greatest of all times, though. 
yeah, I think uh, it's definitely the right decision to uh, bring it bring it forward. Um, so I think a lot of effort was made to bring it forward because um, I think um, I'm sure it was uh, well. It was originally a trailer came out in sort of uh, May uh, 2018 or something, or December 2018. So it was a long time coming. So this yeah. kind of it crept up on me um, that, that it was just released. Um, I just saw it on Netflix as it came out, but if I'm sure I'm not a basketball fan, but I'm sure if you're a basketball fan and you were keeping tabs on it, it must have been just uh, just waiting for this to come out, just on tenterhooks, just waiting and waiting and waiting. Um, but he, I suppose even longer, if you knew about this footage uh, being filmed, <laughs> being so, being so, like somewhere. <laughs> Being so, yeah. so long ago from uh, being filmed back when it was uh, the final the final season, if, uh, if people knew that this filming was being done all the way back then. Can I just jump in there? Like, uh, in terms of, you know, the, a lot of the filming of this documentary happened in 1998. And it's just, uh, again, like the forethought of Michael Jordan. He must have had this plan the whole time. And just one of the reasons I think he's done it this way is using this as almost like a reminder for everyone to be like, in the last few years, everyone's been, you know, there's been a few questions around the NBA, like, is LeBron the best of all time? Like, is it, or is it Kobe? You know, is it Tim Duncan, as you mentioned before, Inman? There's been a lot of people mentioning that. And George, I just feel like the timing of this now is like MJ being like, right, it's time to remind people who's the best kind of thing. <laughs> Did you hear um, when he signed off the footage to start a documentary? Did you hear that story? No. <laughs> well, he lines up with exactly what you were saying. Um, I think uh, LeBron James had just won another uh, trophy with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and he was yeah. parading, parading around the streets in Cleveland, and that was on the television at the time. And that's the uh, exact moment that Michael Jordan said, right, let's make this documentary then. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, exactly. you're totally right. He's like... He probably saw LeBron creeping into the conversation of greatest of all time, which is obviously, it's going to be far and few between you're ever going to see anyone go into that conversation. But LeBron's legitimately in that, that conversation now. He's in that realm. I don't, I don't know how far away he is, you know, culturally. He's probably, culturally, he's far away. But in terms of sport and in terms of basketball, he's in that conversation now. And I think it's very interesting, like you were saying, John, where it's clear that almost like it was almost like Michael Jordan valued his legacy so much that he was like, right now is the time. Like let's get, let's get this documentary out. Let's remind people of how amazing I was. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mentioned to you guys before, I've read this book uh, called the cost of these dreams by uh, Wright Thompson. And there's a chapter on Jordan in that book. <clears throat> and in that chapter, it's a very like revealing chapter. There's one bit where he's watching uh, TV with the author and it's an NFL game where the, the uh, New England Patriots are playing. And in that game, they're having the debate, who's the best of all time, like Joe Montana or Tom Brady. And people were swaying towards Tom Brady. And Jordan is furious in the chapter because he's saying, like, <laughs> people forget. People forget how good Joe Montana was. Yeah. It's just revealing. Like, he's not talking about Montana at this point. He's talking about, he's talking about himself, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's just so, like, pe- people forget how good 
this player's word. It's like, yeah, we get it, Michael. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I feel like um, that documentary's brought. Like, I I am obviously very aware of Michael Jordan. Like, I like basketball. I wouldn't say I know anything about it. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a basketball fan. Like, I enjoy the games. I enjoy the merchandise. <laughs> I've got yeah. a couple of teams that I like, but I don't really know much about it. Like, um, I mean. Yeah, it's. I think this documentary has probably brought Michael Jordan almost to a new generation. Yeah, definitely. Like, it, but I'm not. I think in some ways it might have backfired in a way that wasn't intended. But just uh, on the back of that. Yeah, so, I, I would oh, agree with that. Um, so can I go for, yeah, yeah. Can I go for a tangent with that? Go uh, for it. The reason I'm mentioning this is that me and Inman have spoke about this. There was a documentary uh, a while ago about Maradona, and it was a good documentary, but it felt a bit like to me like collage filmmaking kind of thing. It was just like patching together all this like old footage of Maradona, and I didn't feel like I learned anything new after watching it. Whereas with this, I feel like I was pretty clued up on NJ. Like I knew about all of his title wins in the nineties. I wasn't as big into NBA as I was NFL. But I'm still aware of the Bulls being like the dominant team and stuff, winning like six, six championships. Yeah, but I feel like I I've learned. Yeah, I feel like I've learned so much from this. I was with the Maradona doc. I felt like I knew it all already. With this, there's just there's just been so much stuff that's come to, come to light. That I had no idea about kind of thing. And this is for me like I think I mentioned it to you guys before. Like I consider this one of the best documentaries I've seen, kind of thing. Yeah, and a lot of that is just because it's in a very unique position of like how many other documentaries will have 20-year-old footage that no one's ever seen before to go alongside modern-day interviews with, with those subjects kind of thing. You know what I mean? That kind of thing will, will probably not happen again, you know, like that, that kind of scenario. And that, that to me is why it's such a, a fascinating documentary. I was going to say, sort of like, <clears throat> when you compared it to the, the Maradona doc, it was sort of, uh, when you said that's like a collage documentary, sort of like, it, that is just storytelling of like the chronological order of his career yeah. of the the uh, archive footage that is the sheer sheer amount of the number of people that have done the interviews um for the last dance and i think i've yeah. seen like i think i've seen like numbers range from 90 to like over like 120 people uh done the interviews for it it's just like yeah. you get all these people's different opinions of what had happened, and then you get like, well, you got their version of the story, but then you got someone else's version of the story of the same, um, definitely, yeah, the same topic, and um, yeah, it's just it's can great. Off, can I jump off the back of that? Hmm. There's a couple of bits that you just like, like hit on there that I just feel like you can you can feel MJ's hand over this whole documentary where it's like he clearly had like final say on what was going to go in and stuff like that you know like if he, if something if something that he wasn't happy with he'd get rid of it you know if it made him look bad basically <laughs> yeah he might bring yeah. it off but there's some points of it which are like it's like watching the office almost uh it's just really revealing about him and i don't think he ever intended it to be this way uh the two bits i'm thinking of are the first bit I'm, I'm jumping late into the documentary here, but there's a championship game later on. Uh, well, a playoff game later on with the uh, Supersonics, which is uh, one of Joe's favourite teams, I believe. The old... My favourite my favorite dead NBA team. 
Yeah, yeah. We're back from our Zoom break. Zoom is not paid back for by us. <laughs> if uh, Zoom wants to advertise for us, that's fine. <laughs> Uh, Joe, you were saying free bloody Zoom. <laughs> Sorry, your free forty-minute Zoom sessions. What's that about <laughs> Zoom? Hey. <laughs> um, so I was just—I uh, think the last thing I said was uh, that the Seattle Sonics were my uh, favorite dead NBA team. I've got merch by them. They're, uh, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The. Uh, I'm sorry. I was just saying about how the Bulls were playing the Seattle in the playoffs. I think it might be like '96 or '97 or something. Uh, and this is an example of like how I find it like The Office. And Jordan allowed this footage to be in where they almost imply that Gary Payton of the Sonics had the better of him in a couple of games where like his perfor- Jordan's performance was way off because like Gary Payton's defensive it was all over him. And Jordan still can't, 20 years later, he still can't admit that like maybe for those couple of games, Gary Payton was the better player. Yeah, yeah. He still got that in him to be like, no. It's because Father's Day was coming up and my dad had died. It's like, <laughs> it's like just hold your hands up and admit that for once, someone might have been better than even that one game. It's just very like David Brent kind of like, just cannot admit, you know, like 20 years later, that it was, for a couple of games, it, was the, it came off second best. I do yeah. like um, the show, every now and again, they showed like an iPad clip, aren't they? Um, yeah. of like other people's interviews and that's one of them isn't it and he's showing the iPad yeah. clip and I've, um, is that when he laughs well, at him like straight up laughs at the interview it's like, like before, yeah, he, before he's shown the clip he's like there's nothing you can show me where you're going to change my mind or is that a di- that might be a different part well, but it might be a different part there's another one with Reggie Miller yeah. oh, that might yeah. be a different part but yeah that, but what were you saying about that clip is like, yeah, you should, you need, like, he just, just doesn't have any, uh, hum- like, he's not humble. Any humility at all, kind yeah, of thing. Humility, yeah. There's another bit where, like, with Reggie Miller, where they had a bit of a rivalry, and there's, they showed him one, one clip on an iPad, and they're fighting on the court, and it's like MJ's playing up for the cameras in, in real life, in, in modern time, this is. Hmm. He's holding the iPad, shouting at it, going, uh, they're holding Reggie Miller back in the clip from getting at Jordan. Yeah. And he's shouting at him, going, yeah. let, let him go, let, let him go. go. Like, he has to take him on. But he gives this look to camera, which is so David Brent. He, look, he just looks over the iPad, looks at the camera, looks back down again. And it's like David Brent, you know, when like, he'll just look at the camera, that's that smooth kind of thing, like look back to the, uh, the, the person. Hmm. And like, again, MJ probably looks at that thinking like, I'm so cool. But it's like, I'm looking at thinking, this is revealing more about your character than you're realising. <laughs> he's almost making sure that he's like, you're making sure I'm being filmed here. Like, exactly, yeah. Am I, am I still on, getting I'm my reaction? On yeah, 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 I am, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a, that's almost like a meta level to the documentary, though, that I don't think <laughs> exactly. everyone's picking up on. Like, I think the three of us have watched it. It sounds like we're all on the same page with it. But I know, like, what annoys me is that there are there are masses of people who will take that documentary at face value. Yeah, like, yeah. And then that that's what frustrates me about the documentary. Like, for example, this this whole documentary, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I really, really enjoyed it. Um from start to finish, I was hooked. You know, the story of like the Chicago Bulls through that time. You can go through like um Krauss, Dennis Rodman, um, the story about Steve Kerr. We'll come to them. But like they've they've really made an amazing story for this documentary. 
the thing is though my issue is that the entire thing is a stroke of jordan's like precious ego like it's just that's all, that's all it is like his um oh you're totally his, right <clears throat> his production company was uh jump 23 they were involved like from obviously the entire game like the whole the whole thing they were thoroughly involved they're not even in the credits <laughs> like <laughs> but this is this is where I think there's a meta level to this documentary where the three of us can enjoy it and appreciate everything, but also knowing that we have to fill in the blanks, you know, of Jordan's, you know, the, the side that Michael Jordan doesn't, doesn't want you to see. But the worry is that people are just going to watch this and just completely take it at face value. And it's just like, there's just, that, that frustrates me. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Because again, going back to The Office, people watch The Office and don't get it. But... You know what I mean? It's like some people will get it and find it hilarious, and that, that's why it's mm. worth doing. But with this, you, you're totally right. Like, well, that's what thinking, like a puff piece to be like, I'm the best. Remind everyone how good I am. He doesn't realise that it's a lot more revealing about him than he, he ever intended. And that's why I think it's like genius kind of thing. It's almost accidental, you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. <laughs> it was never planned that way, but it's, it's worked out to be like almost like a, a character study of like ego kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? That's why like, I think it's fantastic. It puts ego under a microscope, doesn't it? But even on, like you said, like even on the meta level where you're watching, you, if you know it knowing that yeah. this is a piece about like that and it's you can heavily pick up on his ego <laughs> through every, it's like it's interweaved into the entire show. Like, can I jump can off pick, from that? Go on. Sorry, I've just got a point here that like, even to the point of what the show doesn't put in there, what the show excludes, shows you so much about Jordan again. Yeah. I think I spoke to women about this. Where the show ends, if you didn't know about basketball, this show would make you believe that MJ retired in 98, <laughs> and that was it. That entire team got broke up, and nobody had any, any success after that. They all just went off and did their own thing. You'd have believed that he mention. could have been the greatest baseball player ever if he'd have stuck with it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> But it doesn't mention the fact that Phil Jackson, the coach, went on to the LA Lakers and won five more championships with the LA Lakers. Yeah. After this, you know what I mean? Like he basically the, repeated what right. he did with a different team. But it just doesn't even mention that. The, I didn't I even think, know that. I didn't even know that now. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> I don't think. Um, I, I don't like remind. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they even mentioned Steve Kerr going on to be like an incredibly yeah. successful team coach with the, um, the, Golden, the State Warriors. Golden State Warriors, like even recently, There's, like in the last <clears> few years. He's, he's well, you, been, well, you know why, don't you? Because if you mention that, it'll take the shine off Jordan. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's literally it. Can I just interject okay. there? Yeah. Go on. There's yeah. a Steve Kerr's interview. Uh, he's, he's wearing his Golden State uh, yeah. T-shirt. Um, he said in an interview afterwards that basically – he he almost forgot that he was doing these interviews, and he got back to his hotel after um, after coming from coaching, and he was like, "This is a sweaty mess." Um, and these guys are waiting in the lobby, all the gear, all the cameras, everything like that. And he was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry for making you wait," and everything like that. Seems like a proper stand-up guy. Uh, I'm so sorry for making you wait, and um, got up to like the hotel room where they were going to do all the filming, and. Um, he didn't didn't sort of like have a shower or anything like that. Didn't get prepped, so that's why he's still wearing sort of like his Golden State Warriors t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's why he's still sort of like his hair's still a bit of a mess. He looks like a bit washed out, and he said he only realised that like watching it back, and like his family, his <laughs> wife and kids were like, 
you didn't sort of like <laughs> you didn't think to sort of like make yourself look a bit more presentable than that. <laughs> I just thought that was like just great about. I, lo- I love that. I think I think he I yeah. think Steve Kerr ends up being one of the best characters in the entire sort of show. Like he, he was one of my favorites. Yeah. It's yeah. literally the flip side of Jordan. Like no ego whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, like the the almost sorry John. I, I was just going to say like they almost present his story as like you know a side note to the bigger Jordan story, and it's yeah. like genuinely <laughs> Steve Kerr's probably got like quite the amazing story as well from yeah. his playing days through Definitely. to coaching and coach he coaches um like Stephen Curry who's like currently like one of the top names. He's coaching one of the absolute top teams at the minute, and it's fascinating that. <laughs> that documentary's come out years after he's done that. Like he's been, he's been, he's been known as a top coach for ages. Yeah, and his father got killed in a similar mm. scenario. <clears throat> yeah, but, but sorry, just one other thing that it leaves out as well, which is very telling. This documentary would make you think that MJ retired in 1998. He came back two years later and played for the uh, Washington. I think within the Bullets at the time. He played for the Washington Bullets for like two years, and it was still okay, but it was nowhere near the player he was, kind of thing. Yeah. He was still averaging like, I think, 20 points a game or something, 25 points a game, which is still good, you know what I mean? But he wasn't the powerhouse he was. Ne- never have a never have a comeback. Like, the, the other example I would think of, if you think of like, you know, people who've run away as like the greatest of all time who've then had a strange comeback, Michael Schumacher, like known yeah. as one of the greatest <laughs> drivers ever, and then end up coming back to Mercedes when they weren't really winning anything. And just toiling around in seventh place for a couple of years and it was like yeah it's, it's, yeah. yeah it's weird. like tiger woods another one just he should have just retired you know when like his life just started spiraling just like <laughs> it, it, i know he's on a bit of a comeback that story like, almost eclipses like anything with the jordan story if you were to compare them i feel like it does taint it we've seen it now with tom grady he's gone to uh the tampa yeah, bay Tennessee. oh sorry tampa bay yeah and he could do well there, but I just think just retire, Tom. Like you'll 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 go down as one of the best ever right now. You might you might just take the shine off a bit if you go to <laughs> if you go to Tampa Bay. Well, this this is it. Like one one of the other like I would say like the greatest of all time footballer, Stephen Gerrard, moved from Liverpool to uh, <laughs> LA Galaxy. John, uh, he spent a year there. John, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, he got he got his big move finally. I was happy for him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, sorry, uh, can I just jump from that? You mentioned uh, Jerry Krause earlier. Yeah. He was like the general manager of the Bulls, wasn't he? Yeah. This is one thing that I do agree with uh, Jordan with. He was he was ultra keen, Jerry Jerry Krause, to like build a new team. And you get the impression it's a shame because his dives was not around. To, it's not around to like fight his own corner yeah. with this kind of thing. Which again, in terms of Jordan's timing. I know he died back in like I think it was like the mid to like two thousands, but still Jordan waited till he was dead. He was gone before doing this documentary. Uh, I'll never. It happens a lot, in, in, particularly in uh, American sports teams. I'll never get this idea of rebuilding. They're all really keen to rebuild. When you've already got a championship winning team with some of the best players in the NBA will will ever see. The, the whole point of building in the first place is to get that team. <laughs> like, why is you so keen to rebuild when you've got MJ, you've got Scotty Pippen, you've got Steve Kerr? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, you've got Dennis Rodman. Like, why? You don't rebuild at that point. You, you try and keep the team you've got. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just it tweak just, it. Just add add a player here, add a player there. <laughs> yeah, like, you've, 
you, you built a team in the first place to get to this point. You don't rebuild at this point. You, you, you take this team as far as you can go, can't you? I know it's not the um, it's not comparable, but do you remember that Ajax side? I think it was last season. Like that was genuinely like a side of incredible footballers that were on the way up, and everyone knew in the Champions League that as soon as they go out, that's it for that team. You'll never see that yeah. team again. Like that, yeah. that 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 was the goal of that team. It was reached, and unfortunately, they couldn't do it. Yeah. I think with Kraus, though, he had an ego where it was he wasn't getting the. Um, Applaudits for yeah. building that team in the first place, and maybe if he did a rebuild and managed to do it again, then he would finally get the plaudits for it. But yeah, um, he he did get inducted into the Hall of Fame, or some he did get a honorary yeah, the basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, he got a reward afterwards. But was that only? Was that only after you'd passed away as well? Like po- posthumous, posthumously, yeah. was it maybe? I'm not sure, to be honest, but it would have, would have surprised me, though. Yeah. But uh, going off the back of that, in terms of the Jerry Krause thing, one of the reasons why he was so keen to rebuild was the Scotty Pippen saga that you see in like, full detail. And we mentioned the Patrick Mahomes thing earlier. The Bulls exploited Scotty Pippen in a way that... <laughs> I feel like Patrick Mahomes <laughs> might be getting exploited now. Yeah, they they tied Pippen down to like what was it like a nine year deal or something in '89 yeah. or something like that, and he was just happy to get that money at the time because he could take care of his family and stuff. But then, like throughout the years, as like the NBA exploded, and became really popular. <laughs> yeah, so it was like, like the, the number league. two player in the entire league. <laughs> exactly, the second best player in the NBA for like five years, and he was being paid a pittance in comparison. And they couldn't do anything about it because they signed this yeah. massive contract, like. A, this dead long contract in 1989 or 1990 or something. It's and crazy. Like, yeah, and so like in terms of rebuilding, they probably couldn't keep Pippen at that point because his new contract would cost a fortune. So I understand maybe maybe let Pippen go, but you try and keep you try and keep a few of the, the good players together. Otherwise, what's the point? You know what I mean? I, just don't, I don't get the whole rebuild concept. But it's way too eager to do it. I got the impression from the documentary that when uh, the team didn't have Jordan in it and it was led by Scottie Pippen, that it was still like an immense side. It, it was it was like still incredible. It just, I don't know. Like they just still good. It, yeah. Well, not even good, but like it, it's, it still sounded, you know, one, like if not the best side. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. I think the second year, there were, were, were struggles with make the playoffs, I think. It's only when MJ came back before the end of the season. Got them yeah. in the playoffs, but then they got beaten like the uh, the conference final, I think, or something like that. So it, it different kind of play though, Pippen. You know what I mean? It's not the kind of like point that at the last minute of the game you'd go to MJ to score you the winning the winning basket or something like. Yeah. Pippen's not that, not that kind of player. You know what I mean? That would do that. Yeah, he's your best number two, isn't he? Yeah, I think I got my wires crossed before. It's more that. With, if you had Jordan in that side as they had him, um, it's it's probably it goes down as one of the all all time greatest, doesn't it? But even when they had you know no Jordan, it, it was still a very good side. It's, it, like, yeah, still like a good team. Yeah. You, you would still have like the second best player going. Like, I think I don't know. Like obviously with um, I obviously wasn't following basketball in the nineties, but if if I'm going off the documentary that. Whilst Michael Jordan wasn't the Pippen was the best player in the league, like yeah, he still hope. Yeah, actually, there was a few that like Carl Malone for the uh, Utah Jazz was just yes. insane at that point. He, yeah. he's, men- he's mentioned quite a bit later on. 
And uh, Shaq as well. Shaq Orlando Magic was uh, mm. tearing it up. That's right. But just going back to the Pippen thing, like you mentioned, I mentioned about going, the play you'd go to for a shot at the last minute. There's actually one bit where Pippen throws his toys out the pram, isn't there? where he yeah. wants to be the player to take that last minute shot. And again, it's when Jordan's not there, I think. And they go to the Croatian player. Oh, Tony, Tony Kuka. Tony, yeah. They go to him, and I think he hits it, doesn't he? He wins the game. Yeah, the he does win it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Pippen absolutely freaks out. <laughs> yeah. But that reminds me a bit of like... to go on. <laughs> but we've you've seen that with um, Cristiano Ronaldo before, haven't you? Where yeah. his side, like I, I can't remember the exact example, but he'll see like a fellow, like you know, other player score a goal, and he'll be raising his arms, going, "Why didn't you pass to me?" He's like, mm. "You've scored yeah. the goal," but that's the sort of drive that you know, like successful, like incredibly successful athletes have, isn't it? Yeah, but not not only that. Like I can kind of feel for Pippen a bit here because this is the mismanagement of like players. He was unhappy at this point about the contract. It went on for like years, this contract saga. He wanted more money at this point. The clubs, the, the Bulls knew that. And so, like, I feel like this came, was like the peak of like his, his frustrations. Do, do you know what I mean by that? Like, yeah. he was already annoyed with the, with the club because of like, the, way, the way they were treating him with the contract and stuff. And then when this kind of thing happens, it's just like it all just culminates kind of thing. So he looks like a bit of yeah. a, like a bit of a spoiled kid in the actual scenario, but... It could have been avoided, you know what I mean, like the way things are handled. But and it, end, it ended up with him leaving, leaving in '98 and went to Houston instead. But, uh, he said he says in the interview, like if it would, he would do it the same again. Yeah. So he clearly feels like it was like was it the, right the right choice kind of, to do it. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. Cross off Scotty Pippen. Did, uh, <laughs> did you want to move on to Dennis Rodman and uh, his oh. uh, his antics? <laughs> I think that's like a bit to say. Well, yeah, it's um I'm obviously of a wrestling disposition, like um like I said before. I don't know too much about basketball, but if you ask me about wrestling, I'll tell you Dennis Rodman was in WCW. <laughs> now they I was waiting for this in the documentary. I was waiting for the Dennis Rodman WCW sideshow. And it completely blindsided me because I didn't realise like I've I've got a good knowledge of, you know, the rise fall of WCW. <laughs> I've got a good a good knowledge of that, but I didn't realise that Dennis Rodman was literally in the middle of the NBA Finals when he appeared, and like yeah. just started doing wrestling. Like, can you imagine? Like, let's say you're in like what? Like, I know it's I know it's the final, but if you compare it to like Champions League semi final, and you've got like one of your play like your main people, you know, just messing about in wrestling, just in his time off, <laughs> like in the middle of partying. He's wrestling, and he's supposed to be in your like. What, what was it, game four or five that he like started? I think that it was one, yeah. It's just was crazy. It, was, it, was it the night after the game or the night of the game after the game? He did it. I think it was the it was the night after one of the games or something, and then he disappeared. Or it was the night before something like that. But there's a running theme, it was, isn't it? Where straight after the game, it was like from the changing rooms. Like Twisted they said, up. yeah, just have forty eight hours off, have a break. <laughs> Literally from yeah. the change rooms, they said he went to the airport. It's just like, right, bang. You see him there, like, hanging out with NWO and shit, and it's like, <laughs> this is bloody mental. Like, like obviously, I didn't get the context at the time. Like, you know, I was like, what? I would have been seven, eight, or nine. Yeah, yeah eight or something like that. So I wouldn't have got the con- And I was watching Channel 5's WCW highlight show. Like, I was, was going to say that. This is the thing, like, me and my mates used to, like, watch the... Uh... The WCW was shown at the weekend or like on a, on a 
Thursday or something, but like not on the night of, of release kind of thing. They had one like a Sunday night at like 7 p.m. for an hour. Yeah, and like it's recorded, like me and my mates used to watch it. And I remember watching a lot of like the Godzilla stuff, but yeah, I had no yeah. idea at the time. I, I was still following the NBA bit at the time. I, I had no idea. It was literally while the Bulls were in the finals kind of thing. <laughs> I figured he'd like finished his season or something. Or, I, well, know. I, I can believe that. And I, I think that is something that you will only ever get away with in the late 90s. That that was all, that was That doesn't happen now. Like, and in that team, I think. No other team would have stuck for that. The way Phil <laughs> yeah. Jackson coached him was like, I don't know, they just treated him like a, a rock star or something, didn't they? Just let him do what yeah. he wanted because like, they knew they could get the best out of him. Well, it, just, it absolutely blew my mind when I realised that he did that during the finals. I thought that was like either in the off-season or, you know, like your, your normal season. Like, But, but even then, he, he did it in the finals. It was crazy. Yeah. To be fair, though, he did come back and perform as well, though. He um, did. He was a key player, wasn't he? You just you can't yeah. argue with I, A, how he was managed and B, how he actually performed after even doing what he did in Las Vegas. It's, it's absolutely yeah. insane how both actually go hand in hand I don't know how you can be a complete goof but then also be one of the best players doing yeah. what you're doing an, yeah I love the way uh, Hulk Hogan mentioned it as well didn't he when he was on the on the wrestling said something about like I love the way you beat up Carl Malone last night brother <laughs> <laughs> oh just one other thing on uh, Steve Kerr big Jurgen Klopp fan so I thought you two would like that I didn't realise that who isn't a big Jurgen Klopp fan well, I know a few people. That... <laughs> <laughs> I've mentioned it already, but Barack Obama, why is he here? Can you say Barack Obama was a Liverpool fan then. <laughs> <laughs> Le- LeBron. LeBron's invested, hasn't he, in Liverpool? Yeah, I believe yeah. so, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Knows the champion, not... don't he? That's why he's not the best ever. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Barack, I just don't know why they, they, they wheeled him out for this. He made some mention about like how he used to go and watch the Chicago Bulls in the early 90s, but he could afford to. It's like, yeah, yeah, because you're, you're really a, on your arse, weren't you, at that law degree you were doing at, uh, at Harvard and what have you. Homeless Barack yeah. Obama just scraping the money to go to go see the Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it is incredible, like the amount of people that they got in and interviewed, like for interviewing that many people, the amount of crew that they must have uh, hired to either go and um, just on a one-off basis to go and interview these people or that they traveled to go and interview these people. Like they got Justin Timberlake to talk about shoes for 10 seconds. And that was all all that they used. It was just like, it's just crazy to just the amount of setup to interview Justin Timberlake just for, just for that segment. Or yeah. just to go and visit a player, just to talk about a a, a game that they played um, back in one season. Um, yeah, it is crazy. But, um, just going off with the shoe thing—that's another thing that I learned from this documentary. There's the one bit where they're showing, like, when it uh, from like 1985 or 1986, when he's signing his first shoe deal and stuff. I had no idea that he preferred Adidas over Nike, and like, mm. just did not want to do, did not want to do a deal with Nike. Like, you know, <laughs> looking now, the icon yeah. and stuff like the Jordan shoes and what have you. Yeah. And at the time, there's that uh, interview with him where he's like a, a young kid, just going like, "I like Adidas, I like Magic Johnson." <laughs> <laughs> Adidas just absolutely kicking themselves. 
Yeah, yeah, Mr. Top Big Time. I think he, uh, Michael Jordan did the same with his shoe brand that he did with his career. It was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it my way. And then he's ended up being bloody, like, that that brand. It's insane that it's come so far. Yeah, exactly. He's like an icon, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I felt sad watching this documentary because, I just, you know, the memory of MJ in the 90s, like, just the icon kind of thing, you know, what he was and what have you. And you just see him now, and he's just an old guy, and he's just an old broken-down guy with yellow eyes. It's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Aging is just the worst. Like, <laughs> It's funny when you watch it, like, in a show like this as well, where you're literally cutting, like, so have a show, either today or in 10, 15, 20 years, whatever. And it was about you now in, like, you know, the peak of your physical health <laughs> and you're then watching that and then cutting that with footage of you was like what how old are you about 56 something like that yeah i think it's seven i think yeah yeah like uh, cutting footage like that and then watching you at your absolute physical peak when you were the greatest in the world <laughs> like yeah it's gonna you're gonna notice the contrast because i noticed it and i was like if, if you just see michael jordan you're like oh michael jordan but when you look at him and then look at him when he was like in his 20s it's crazy yeah I don't even think he's recognisable. I know, obviously, you know, like, so <laughs> yeah. this, this is the way he holds himself and stuff, and the, the, the shoulders are slumped now, and he's got a little pot belly and stuff. It's just like, yeah. you're, not, you're, not, you're not MJ anymore. Yeah. yeah. Very sad. There's, there's still times at the end of his career, sort of like some of the footage, like the Father's Day game and stuff like that. When he puts his cap on, he still looks like the youth player, like that was breaking through yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. He still looks yeah. like the same the same player that's breaking through and then like you say when it's cut into his interview and things like that it's just such a dynamic in the the, the person that he that he looks like um yeah it's, it's it, a crazy probably, change but drinking probably, drinking and cigars every day that's what it does to yeah, you it's not gonna help yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's what like um like, you know, with the whole back and forth, like back to the 90s and stuff, like, and that's one of the things I enjoyed about the show is that there's definitely a nostalgic element, even though I was like, whilst I were of the Chicago Bulls and how good they were back in the 90s when I was like a kid, like I was aware of them. Like, it's not, it's not the same, you know what I mean? But when you, you, when you watch that documentary, you can almost transport back to around that time because it's like, yeah. You've almost time-stamped the documentary with like the late 90s or the mid-90s of American culture. And it's quite an interesting one going on a documentary and keep rewinding back to that time, you know, seeing who was popular around then. It's an interesting one. Like I think that's that, like you said, John, I think that's one of the main draws of the documentary is that you can, like, when are you going to ever get this type of thing again where you've got all this footage from 20-odd years ago? 30 yeah, years ago in some, yeah like 30 years ago in some circumstances and then make a documentary now commentating on on that it's crazy yeah like you mentioned about the 90s nostalgia i think you two both know how much like i love america and stuff and i've always thought you know like i'd love to live in america that'd be amazing i've realized i think mainly from watching this documentary it's not so much that i want to live in america I want to live in America in the 1990s. <laughs> yeah, 1997. You know what I mean? Like, specifically like, that era. <laughs> I want to go back to 1997. Like, I, like, All the NFL. Yeah. All the NBA. That was when I loved it. Like, I, I mentioned it a bit earlier. For wrestling and Formula 1. 1997. Fantastic year. Like, it's just... <laughs> I think 97 was the peak year in civilization. I think that's it. I think you, you're not going to get much much higher. 
That was the the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Um, I was just going to mention uh, his sort of like motivation and how he kept motivating himself um, through either other players' back chat or criticism from media or sort of like yeah. simply what, like, one of the ones was just simply making stuff up. Um, yeah. I, can't, I actually can't think of the example now, but. It was like it's one of the other coaches, isn't it? For one of the coaches, for like the Utah Jazz or something. He thought yeah. he blanked him in a restaurant or something like that. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah, just turned out after the game. It was like he just completely made that up. It's just like yeah, just that, stuff. He just the way he just gets himself into that mindset of just sort of doing anything to win and just that will and mo- to 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 get that motivation to bring himself above everyone else and to bring everyone on his team up to his level yeah. is just incredible and that it's is fasc- just what makes him the best but it is it, yeah it is fascinating and it, but it goes again this is such a reveal into his mindset and um, the way of his thinking um, yeah even with, with that in mind as well there's even like clips of him playing like pitch and toss with his bodyguards and stuff and <laughs> And yeah. he's fuming when he loses. <laughs> he's literally betting money against security. Like as soon as he turns off, he's like, "Let's have a game." Like it, it's <laughs> it's crazy because like he's clearly like I think the the main like his in like he's been beating people. So it's a case yeah. of he will turn up and he'll play security guards with the coin game. Like he will turn up and he'll play basketball and and absolutely demolish people. I think one of them, uh, I can't remember exactly who it was, but during a game that they were Michael Jordan wasn't performing in, he, he said to him, "Oh, better see Air Jordan, or you're about to get blown out." And because he said that to him at half time, they ended up <laughs> Jordan ended up winning the game for them. And <laughs> it, it's it's one of them, isn't it? Where the I don't think you can be this good at a sport without having an incredible ego and a drive that yeah. can make you come off like a bit of a bell end. <laughs> like, but that is like that's my culmination of the whole thing. Like, I feel like I've sounded a bit negative really, but I don't mean to. It's just that the whole, this whole documentary is like an examination of what it takes to be the best at something. You know what I mean? Like, what kind of character you have to be to be that driven kind of thing. And I just feel like I think I might have sounded a bit negative at some points, but I love it. I think it's a. I think, I think it's like he's an amazing character. You can you can. Um, I mean, the way I look at it, at least, is that you can look at it and you can recognise the sport and achievement, and then you can also recognise that there's a process behind that sport and achievement. Um, yeah, I suppose it, it's for every walk of life, but you can demonstrate it quite well with sport because it's you know it's a competitive thing. Um, I think it's one of them, isn't it, where you can't be successful without having the ego to be that successful. And yeah. I think by the fact that he's um, he's in the conversation of greatest of all times, of greatest of all times, you could say that his ego probably does <laughs> does uh, recognise that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Just on, on that as well, another example of that, I can't think what player it was now, but a, when he went to baseball for a bit, he came back one day to the uh, to the stadium for whatever, and one of the opposing players was like, "Oh, MJ, why do you have to leave before I could dunk on you? Like, it's some like new kid into the league or something." 
And then when he came back a couple of years later, he absolutely like demolished him in a game. Yeah. But that wasn't enough for him just to do that. He then mentioned that whole story in his Hall of Fame speech in like was it <laughs> 2004 or something. It just seems so like, it's like a bad winner. You know what I mean? It's weird. Yeah. Like he already like completely owned him in uh, basketball, but like he mentioned that whole story to embarrass him in his own Hall of Fame speech, <laughs> <laughs> which I just find like incredible. And then he mentioned it again in this documentary. And it's like, MJ, you've won. You don't have to keep bringing yeah. it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. But that's where you start chipping away. And you can see the drive behind a person and the ego that surrounds yeah. a person and how they conduct themselves. And he he truly knows that what he did and how he acted. Like, you, you see him ordering people around and it's like, if you don't want to play, you, you can't play. Like, yeah. that sort of attitude. You can see how that's all culminating so can together. So mention that bit? Go on. That's that, that. That's that one clip for like two or three minutes from the end of episode seven, which I absolutely love. And the whole point of the, this clip, they're showing him like uh, the iPad of like his old colleagues saying my car was hard to play with. He was a bit of a bully, that kind of thing. And M- MJ gets like uh, a bit emotional, doesn't he? At this point, is this where like, uh, he's he says, oh, well, "I won't spoil it." Go on. Yeah, he basically says like the whole point of it is that he's saying to them like, "Yeah, I play this way." And if, you, if you're going to play with me, you've got to keep up, you know, because I'll be dragging you along to win championship after championship kind of thing. And he kind of has like a little bit of a a reply to that by saying like, if you want to play that way, you play that way. But the insinuation there is like, you can play that way, but you won't fucking win. Like, if you <laughs> yeah. want to win, if you want to win, you play my way. <laughs> and he's right, though, that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, yeah. It, it, I, it's a fascinating one because you see him he starts is this the bit where he starts tearing up and he's like you know yeah yeah if you, you, I can't remember the exact quote but it's like you know if you ever want to play you know you're going to play or whatever and then he, he <laughs> in the documentary he's just like break I'm done I just get up yeah. Like, yeah. and that's one of the flashes of emotion you sort of although at least that emotion you see from Michael Jordan in this entire documentary I think a bit of the real person, not like the icon who's, who's yeah. manipulating the whole documentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. See, that that moment in the documentary, it went a bit uh, wild on Twitter and it was like retweeted and people yeah. went, wow, look at this motiva- motivation moment. But I, I remember watching that at the time on the episode and not being overly impressed with it. And I honestly thought like because I, I didn't know whether it was all just a bit set up that it was he's asked a question of whether he's a nice guy or yeah. whether he thinks yeah. he's a nice guy and he comes out with that monologue and it just seemed I, what, I honestly I almost either rehearsed or edited or all put together that it wasn't he wasn't actually answering that question that he answered that he answered a separate question and that was segmented and put in he could have got emotional at that point and everything but to me it didn't come across as uh natural to that actual question to me and something felt a little bit off which no, I right. don't like. That's what I like about it. He's basically avoiding the question. Like, you, again, you're learning more by what he's not saying as opposed to what he's actually saying kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
that's why I like it. Like, level again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it just says at the end of that thing of like, if you want to play that way, play that way. And he's like getting emotional, but clearly, like, I read into that as like, if you want to play that way, you can do it. You're not, you're not going to ever fucking win anything. Yeah. <laughs> he holds back that, and doesn't say that. But. I think I think that's what one of my issues is that like what 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 you've said, Sam. There is is probably like spot on. Um, I think this is what annoys me though is that people are going to watch that and not just that, but every part of this documentary and just take it as gospel. And I don't know. I just I just it just doesn't sit right with me to be honest. I know what you mean. It's like if you look at this documentary with with the uh, look at it the. It's almost, almost if you can enjoy it on a meta level like we have. Like it, it's, I don't know. It's just that feels like the the only way that I can appreciate this documentary because. Oh really? Like I'm a, go on. Like I think I think you could show this documentary to someone who doesn't know much about basketball, and they'd be blown away by it. Cause it, it does a great job of telling the whole story. You know I've I mean? been dramatic there. You are right. It, it is a it is a fantastic documentary, and I I, I did thoroughly enjoy it. But I do also see it as a Michael Jordan propaganda piece. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but like, but not. again, if you appreciate it as that, <laughs> as what it is, it's fascinating. Like, it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Just one of the bit on that clip as well that I love. Throughout the whole documentary, they have like, a, it's got its own original music score. And I think the music's fantastic for this documentary. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that three-minute clip reminds me of like money. Like him mentioned, the way it's edited together and stuff, it is very showy. But I love what they're going for with that, though. Yeah, I'm sorry, just mention one other thing as well. I think Inman kind of alluded to this earlier, just the structure of the documentary, like how the flashing back to the two timelines. I think it works fantastic. Like yeah. you're never bored at any point because you know they you know exactly the right point to cut off and jump back to like 1991 or something, then jump back to present day 1998. Mm. And the way they dovetail, like, rhyming themes between, like, his early career to the older career kind of thing, you know what I mean? They, they, always, they always pick the right point to jump back and forth to get at the point they're trying to make at kind of thing. Yeah. I'm yeah. Not uh, being a basketball fan and having absolutely no knowledge of any point of the story, sort of like the final season or previous, about even Michael Jordan, um, any any knowledge of sort of like how the titles were won, scores, anything like that. It was sort of like, it was a little bit confusing at times, sort of like going back and forward. But for the most part, it was done really, really well, even for someone that doesn't follow basketball. And I thought like it came across like in a storytelling, in a storytelling way, Absolutely, yeah. perfectly. I, know, I thought that was great. So, and there's one um, bit... Oh, sorry, mate, because I mentioned this. There's one bit that, like Emma mentioned, they're being a bit confused. There is one little bit that confused me. It's not really a fault of the structure. It's just the fact that they get to, like, 1997 and they're flicking from 97 to 98 and back again. And those two seasons are so similar at that point. And I'm sure, I'm, I think they play the Utah Jazz in both of the finals as well. Yeah. Just, there's just bits where you're like, are we in 97 now or 98? Like, mm. <laughs> it's just everything about it is so similar. <laughs> I, d- I did lose track a couple of times thinking of which year we're in. Do you, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I, I did lose the, the thread on that. But, uh, something you mentioned then, Sam, like, struck a chord with me is like, 
I think um, this documentary has genuinely made me a lot more interested in basketball in general. Like, and I think that's what the NBA needs, to be honest. Like, they, 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 I think they need, you know, more. Uh, well, they don't need, but I think it's a good idea putting this out anyway. I don't. I know it wasn't NBA, but mm. I, I think this is good for basketball that this documentary has come out. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Sort of like it's getting out to a, a massive audience, being on Netflix. Um, but I think um, it could have come out in 2009, I was reading, sort of like uh, the 30, 30 for 30. Uh, 30 for 30 series, yeah. Yeah. They almost did this in 2009. Uh, so they knew a, doc, a DVD was knocking about with some of this footage on, and they were sent like a two-hour version of it. Um, and they nearly managed to make it, but I don't think they got... Uh, Michael Jordan to approve it, which obviously was <laughs> the main deal behind all of this. Um, so couldn't do it. Um, so it nearly came out in 2009, but obviously I don't think it would have had to do, like the wide spread that it does now, being on Netflix and social media and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, Times changed, haven't they? Were you imagine the reach yeah. of it in two thousand nine, even compared to today? Like today, yeah. it's literally they threw it up on Netflix, and everybody interested in sport was talking about it for the next three or four weeks. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. it's just so much more accessible now. How, how you say uh, times change there? Sort of like Michael Jordan just being the worldwide brand that he the is now and was back then, without any social media or even the internet as it was back then and how we know it now. Like he became a global superstar without any of that, without having a social media campaign manager or whatever like that, not being on Twitter, not having <laughs> any profiles yeah. or it was, but he, he was a global superstar and he was what made, he made basketball a global, like, he yeah, got the yeah. basketball a global Definitely. audience. Um, just um, just which, on a very quick side. Sorry, John. Go on. Oh, sorry, man. I'm just going to say off the back of that, which kind of explains why the NBA uh, would have hidden the fact if he was banned from the NBA for two years. Yeah. It would be the, the negative publicity of their number one star uh, being banned for gambling or whatever it was he was doing. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I couldn't fully understand why the conspiracy theories behind him being yeah. why people think he was banned for two years. I was going to say, shall we talk about a few of the uh, conspiracy theories? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's really all I've got to say on that one, to be honest with you. I, just, I think there's more to it. The NBA will never admit it because they don't want to look bad and they don't want to, don't want to damage their own brand. So. Well, they had the commissioner on, didn't they? And he was yeah. uh, pretty adamant <laughs> that it wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah, I still think... I wouldn't be surprised if there was more to that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have, wouldn't have looked very good, would it? <laughs> and the fact that when he went to baseball, he couldn't play by the, by the looks of things. That... <laughs> I think that frustrated me about the documentary, to be honest. Like, the baseball uh, escapade. Like, just give me a full and honest representation of baseball. You don't have to pretend that yeah. this guy was going to be the next... Babe Ruth, that's the only baseball name I've got. Like, don't act like he could have been that had he stick, like, stuck with it. Just, just a, say he was a bit shit. Just admit yeah, that he was a bit shit. 
like a guy from MLB or something, didn't they? And he was saying, like, you know, well, if MJ would have stuck at it, he could have been yeah. one of the top players. And I don't know who that was, but again, I might, not know enough. <laughs> I might not know enough about it, but everything I read, everything I knew at the time was that, like, it was a bit of a joke kind of thing. But they made and fun they, of it. Even, they joke about it in Space Jam as well. Space Jam? They literally <laughs> said in Space Jam, you shit at baseball. Literally. Yeah, funny. Like, funny. About it. <laughs> <laughs> or like the biggest film that Michael Jordan was ever in. One of the like cult classics of the that era, I would say, Space Jam, you know, for yeah, people, yeah. people of a certain age. And, you know, they're making a new one with LeBron James about to take yeah, his yeah. <laughs> greatest all time tag. <laughs> um But yeah, it's like it's they make they make a mention of it there, and it's like don't don't try and sell me on this documentary that he was going to be class at baseball. Don't don't even try and, and sell that mm, to me. Yeah, and he, he claims that it's because his dad was always loved baseball, and you know his dad would love to have seen him playing baseball. Which, if that's true, then that's honourable. You know, like uh, really? yeah. But I'm just not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Can we speak about the uh, conspiracy theories about his dad? Have you got any of those? I've not really got the theory to be honest. I mean, it's mentioned in this book, but I can't fully remember the details now. But yeah. again, it's just one of them things where the way he shoots it down so quickly in, in this documentary, same with the baseball thing, the way the, sh- uh, the uh, NBA uh, hiatus, the way he shoots it down so quickly, I feel might say more than he intends to kind of thing. You know, he's so adamant that like there's yeah. nothing to even talk about. It's like, there might be something to talk about. Yeah. Um, Again, really sad everything to do with his dad, but it's a very strange case. Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching that feeling baffled by the whole scenario. I was like, it, yeah. it blindsided me, and I was like, wow, this is this is crazy. Yeah, as I said I earlier. I think the full I, story I, was his dad flew somewhere. I can't remember the reason why now on his own. He was driving, was driving from the airport, and they just hadn't heard from him for days, and then they found him shot dead in this car by the side of the, by the, by the, side of the road. Was it in Atlanta, yeah. maybe, or something like that? Just a very strange uh, circumstance. Yeah, yeah, weird. I mean, that whole story of just him going missing, I'm sure it was like over a two-week period or something like that that he was missing for, that the search yeah. was out for him and everything like that. But, yeah, like you say, it was strange, and just the whole circumstance around it that... Um, that he was he was obviously there for all his games, but for this period that, like you say, he just flew somewhere and that um, mm. just goes missing for two weeks without any contact. Um, but obviously, the way he shoots it down in the interviews and things like that. Um, obviously, he might not want to talk about it, and it's this is every right not to talk about it. Um, yeah, that's it. Which is, which is fine. Um, it's just the so, fact that he had this history of dodgy gambling. He knew some very shady characters. Hmm. It's just a very strange affair. Yeah, that's all I've got really on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's whether it ties into the gambling and whether his father was ever involved in that, um, and. Because he shoots down the gambling. If we move on to the gambling conspiracies, because um, he was apparently, I mean, on the on the show, 
he says it was never a, never a problem. He never had a gambling problem. I don't think. Um, just to make you've got a gambling problem. Yeah, like, he never. <laughs> I think just say when he when he was playing, he never said he had a gambling problem. And on the show, I think they never really talk about that. It was for high stakes, um, but when you read about it in articles or since the show has aired, some of the stakes are pretty eye-watering against yeah. actual golfers. And it's like, why are you playing for those <laughs> stakes against real golfers? And it's like, <laughs> so, yeah, that it does seem the, like he had a problem. <laughs> he wrote like a check of a banker's draft to that shady character. Was that like 1.2 million or something like that? Maybe I, I'm probably massively over over quoted it here, but you know, I've, I've like heard he those kind of numbers. Yeah, yeah, he claimed it's for a gambling debt, and you're just thinking, like, what were you gambling for? <laughs> yeah, but I'm not just sure. Imagine having. Book. Oh, sorry, mate. Sorry, I'm not sure it's in the book or, or the show, but he says something about I haven't got a problem because I could have, it's money that I could afford to lose. If I couldn't afford to lose it, it wouldn't be a problem. Genius. It would be a problem. It's like, that isn't the definition, I don't think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <so> that's not right. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, John, it's like you a poker, isn't it? You, you're like, oh, what? <laughs> I just, I just, you know, play two I'm the former champion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's baffling, isn't it? Like, when it, like, the amount of money he was, like, spending gambling with golfers and golfing, it's crazy but then that all just builds into the character it all builds into the story of the his ego exactly yeah. yeah he has to win uh just got three more things if that's okay they're quick yeah of course uh, i've not i've not really got anything to say about this but i found it fascinating the uh again the business with isaiah thomas from the detroit pistons uh it seems like a really personable character isaiah thomas but what they did to the Bulls in like 89 or whenever it was when they wouldn't shake hands after the uh, the final game. Oh, of course. That's pretty bad, like, the way they walked yeah. off. And they claim that the Boston Celtics did the same to them three years earlier. It's just like... Yeah, but I love that, though. <laughs> I, I, I've got to, I do like it. <laughs> it's bad form, but I like the... Uh, but I think that the Pistons might have done that because they thought they might have been back the year after, you know, like, to get their own back. But they never were. That was the end of the Pistons kind of thing. They, yeah. You know, they declined after that. So, well, well, did they not say that the Pistons were the reason that they made the rules more difficult, uh, easier as the as time went on? Um, were they more was, of a, was so physical kind of thing. That's right. It's like it's it's the argument that people have with like Pele and Maradona. It's like back in the day, it was a lot more physical. So genuinely, you had to think of different ways. You know, you to get yeah. on defenses and things like it was the same with basketball. It was a lot more physical when Michael Jordan was was at his peak. Again, though, I find it funny. He took like he took umbrage with Isaiah Thomas and that team. The most physical player on that Detroit team was Dennis Rodman, who ended up playing with like seven yeah. years later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> signed him up. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've just got two more points. If that's okay, again, just in terms of stuff that I've uh, learned from this documentary, the pizza poisoning, I had no idea about. Oh, uh, I don't even know if that's is right. Mm. Hold on, hold on. Right, so stop the press. Here, right? <laughs> right. Is this is this legitimate? Or because this to me felt a bit like oh, let's let, we could say whatever yeah. we want. Yeah, no one's going to even question it. I suppose MJ was like, I had a bad game twenty years ago. I could blame it on the pizza. <laughs> but it was like genuinely, chance. genuinely, that 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 could have happened. Oh, but like uh, John, we've lost your video. Are you still here? 
You're back. Sorry, mate. It was just me yeah. um, powerfully flashed up. Uh, <laughs> the the thing was at the time, it was never a thing. No one knew about this pizza thing. Everyone thought you had the flu or something. It's only now that it's told everyone it was poisoned by pizza. But it, <laughs> yeah. but even but then, it does sound a bit daft. When, when that was said, I was thinking, just just say you had a bad game. Like, but I don't believe it. I don't believe it was like, oh, so some guy... He, he had he had an opposition shirt on, and I, I could definitely tell that he was trying to poison me. And then the next day, <laughs> I had the flu, defo food poisoning. I was food poisoned by an enemy fan. Like it's like, come on. And like, I'm not one to tell MJ how to do his job, kind of thing. But if you're in the middle of like a championship uh, game series, I wouldn't be eating <laughs> pizza than that before. The game. <laughs> oh, should we order from a local takeaway? <laughs> I've got. I've got a couple of things about this though. Like the uh, apparently a pizza place came out and said it was definitely not. We definitely did poison like the pizza. Like it's nothing to imagine do about. That. It's, de- Sorry, it's nothing to do imagine, about our pizza. Imagine that headline in 2020. <laughs> we did not poison Michael Jordan in yeah. 1996 or whatever it was. Like it's like they were like, oh, it's nothing to do with our pizzas. But I just. I imagine like 10 other pizza places coming out because how could you even verify which pizza place it came from? Like, because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they all just want the publicity. <laughs> but the other thing was, I'm sure he says like his nutritionist was there. Like, or, or like his, like, a few of his friends or like his, his manager or whatever like that. Um, and they all looked at the pizza like a bit skeptically. And it was like, they yeah. didn't. They didn't have any because they thought it was funny. Well, they let the, uh, the world famous yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have this. Have this pizza the day before the game or the night before the game. They were all like, "Yeah, you have the pizza. That's fine." <laughs> and not only that, like like Joe kind of alluded to, there was some story about like the pizza boy had like two people with him or something. Yeah. They were all like hanging around <laughs> in the doorway trying to try yeah. to sneak in the apartment and see what was going on and stuff. It was just like, what, was the piece delivered by, like, the FBI or something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just not having it. I'm just, I just figured to fucking lie. Another excuse. Yeah, it's for, bullshit. For a bad game, yeah. Not having it. Not having it. Oh, I had a dodgy pizza, and then, oh, I was defo poisoned by this little lad and his entourage. Oh, like, come on. <laughs> just, I've just got two quick final points, if that's okay. Just to give, like, the, uh, just to level it up, like, bring MJ back into, into focus kind of thing just to show how like dangerous of a player he was that bit in the game with Indiana where Indiana I think Reggie Miller scores like a basket to go like I think a point ahead or two points ahead with like one second left the team are celebrating and it cuts to Larry Bird on the, on the touch line just looking at the clock like <laughs> yeah. shitting himself like <laughs> he knows that MJ's going to go with another chance like <laughs> it's one of my favorite probably my favorite moment in the uh, the full show like that whole bit yeah. Well, it reminds me, you mentioned the other bit as well with Steve Kerr on the touchline where MJ's telling him, like, when I come to you, are you going to be ready? <laughs> yeah. Steve Kerr's like, I'll be, I'll be ready, Mike. I'll be ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually, you know what? You reminded me that he's probably my favourite in the entire day. That is great. Steve Kerr's, so like, <laughs> Steve Kerr's like, you know, Michael Jones, like, this guy, like, I'm he's like whispering behind a cup, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> like was Steve Kerr's like just this guy who just does, has no idea that all the cameras are focused on him he's like I'll be ready Michael I'll be ready it's <laughs> just like, like come on <laughs> and just one other thing that I really liked uh, 
I was never that big a fan of Kobe, not, not because I, I didn't like it, but I just never saw basketball in the 2000s, really. It was more like a 90s thing for me, like I mentioned before. NFL and NBA in the 90s were just massive for me, kind of thing. Uh, so I felt a lot a lot more like I knew more about Jordan than Kobe. But the bit where, in 98, where Kobe comes in for the All-Star game, and uh, him and Jordan are talking in the dressing room and stuff. And they actually interview Kobe, don't they, for some of it? Yeah. And just all of that, I thought, felt just a really nice kind of... Not really a tribute, just just seeing him there kind of thing just felt a bit like because he's another one who who could take MJ's crown kind of thing. He's won like five titles. Yeah, yeah, under he's Phil, in under Phil Jackson. So <laughs> he's he's in the uh, conversation, isn't he, for greatest of all time? I know, I know. Generally, Michael Jordan's the far and away runner, run away for it, and then you've probably got LeBron creeping up. Um, Kobe Bryant's definitely in that top list, and it, it's you know it's a terrible shame what happened. Yeah. Can I just mention as well in terms of the, the best of all time, like in this book, MJ mentions Dirk Nowitzki, Tim Tim Duncan, uh, Kobe and LeBron are the four who could possibly take his mantle kind of thing. Yeah. Like LeBron has only won three championships, but with different teams. So did they bring it to the Cleveland Cavs who generally full sport in place, is it? Yeah, he won it with. He That's went back right, to the yeah. Cleveland to win it with them, and I think he won two. He won two with the Heat, I think, as well. And he might win one this year with the Lakers, maybe. But I just think, even if he was to get to six, I still think MJ, just the way he did it, he played a lot, a lot less than uh, LeBron did. I still think MJ is the best personally. Yeah. Um, I'd say Michael Jordan's probably in the. You know, when you talk about the greatest of all time, of greatest of all time, you yeah. you make a list, and it's people like Tom Brady. Tiger Woods, um, it's Michael Jordan. Yeah, uh, you, you're talking Pele, you're talking Maradona, you're talking Trent Alexander-Arnold, like all these fantastic <laughs> names, like clearly the greatest of all time in, in their area. Um, I feel like Michael Jordan's all, like almost always one of the, one, the first like one or two names that goes on that type of list. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, along with Trent. <clears throat> There's, a, there's some sportsmen that you just you group together regardless of sport, never mind um, within it's, their own sport. They send past it, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Tony Hawk, skateboarding. I think it's, if you've got a game named after you, you're known then there, <laughs> thereafter as the greatest of all time at your sport. Yeah. John Madden. Wasn't John Madden a commentator? He was a coach. He was, I'm coach. sure he must have, he must have played football as well. So, he won Super Bowl with the Raiders in 1980 as a, as a coach. Yeah, so you imagine having like blooming like Klopp's FIFA 2030. Like, <laughs> it's, it's genuinely like it's that's. I think if you, I feel like if you get name like game, it was that Larry Bird game, wasn't there? Larry Bird, Bird versus Jordan, was it, John? Yeah, yeah, Jordan v Bird in 1992. Right, yeah. That was, I think. Yeah, yeah. So There's been a few MJ games. It was Shaq, Shaq Attack. Remember the Shaquille O'Neal fighting game? Shaq, not Shaq Attack. <laughs> Shaq that was it. But this is what I'm saying. It's like you're almost immortalized sometimes, you know, in the media that surrounds your uh, character in, in sport. Yeah. And again, Jordan was one of them. Um, you know, like the media that surrounds it almost, you know, accelerates the, the you know, do you know what I'm trying to say? Uh, yeah, it's part, it's part, of the, uh, part of the icon, isn't it? Exactly. That, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I think. Uh... That was a very good discussion. 
over uh, the yeah, last dance. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot more to come. We've uh, briefly mentioned the Maradona doc uh, yeah. through some of that discussion. Um, Brendan Rogers. Yeah, yeah. Brendan Rogers. We'll, uh, we'll cover that one at some point. I've got five envelopes in my hand. Whichever one you choose <laughs> is the next film or documentary series for next time. <laughs> uh, the ironic thing is they were all, they were all empty, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yep, we'll, uh, we'll be back soon with another sporting documentary or film. Um, but yeah, love that. Um, and we'll... Uh, We'll see you soon. Yeah. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye bye. bye. You guys, you too. Bye. Catch you later. See you later. Bye. 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 See you Bye. Next, Bye. next time. Goodbye. Oh, it's the awkward moment when I'm trying to leave the meeting. Uh, uh, oh, no, I'm oh, oh, we're all still here. <laughs> Bye.